This is Coast to Coast with Robert Ambrogi and J. Craig Williams, America's top web bloggers in the legal profession. And yes, they are attorneys, both of them. One from California, one from Massachusetts. You can only guess what will happen next. Coast to Coast is sponsored by Law.com, right here on the Legal Talk Network. This is Bob Ambrogi, calling committee from Massachusetts. Welcome to Coast to Coast on the Legal Talk Network. And I'm Craig Williams, an attorney from Southern California. I am reporting from Scotland. I'm here speaking on legal technology to a seminar uh, with a group of American attorneys. And I write a blog called May It Please the Court. Bob? Uh, sounds like a junket to me, Craig. I don't know. I, I write a blog called Law Sites and another one called Media Law. Well, that may be, but uh, we're here to focus today on uh, seven months that have passed since Hurricane Katrina devastated much of the Gulf Coast. Thousands of homes and businesses are still in ruins. One of the hardest hit places was the city of New Orleans. Much of the city is still reeling from the storm. Uh, we talked to some lawyers uh, involved in, who were uh, in New Orleans and uh, whereabouts early on after the storm on this program, but today we're going to revisit uh, the impact of Katrina on the legal profession in New Orleans. We're going to find out why some law firms are up and running and what others are still doing to be rebuilding and getting back into business. Well, our guests on today's show have first-hand knowledge about the hurricane's catastrophic effects. They survived the monster storm or went out to help in New Orleans. Uh, we're going to start with an interview I did earlier with Monica Bay. Monica is the editor-in-chief of Law Technology News, and she recently went on a trip to New Orleans, along with a photo editor, Russ Curtis. Uh, their goal was to interview legal technology community to find out what's going on down there. So let's hear what Monica had to say. Monica, uh, tell us uh, what brought you to New Orleans and, and, and what you saw down there. Well, uh, I knew the day after the storm that I had to go. Um, I had the same feeling that I had at 9-11, which was I just, I just needed to get there and tell the stories of our community. And I, I know that other better journalists than I have been handling the great big huge issues, but I wanted to tell our readers about how our legal technology community was affected. And I decided to focus on three members of our edit board and the winner and runner-up of the um, legal of the LTN's IT Director of the Year. Um, it was very profound, and I, I tried to look at not just what they went through, but we were there six months to the day after the storm, and where they are now and where they are going. And, and it was very interesting, Bob, and one of the real themes that came out of it was the sense that we can't be perfect, but we're going to do the best we can, and we're going to get through this. When you say you can't be per they can't be perfect, you mean uh, that they're they're not going to get back to where they were, or what do you mean by that? Well, um, a good example is is we lead off with Ernie Sensen, who I know you'll be speaking with later today, and Ernie announced on March first, which was six months to the day of Katrina, that he had decided to leave his large firm and go solo, and he talked with me about some of the decision making he made, and realizing that while there would be a lot of challenges as a solo, that he would call on his experience and even his experience as a waiter at, commander at uh, the commander's palace to say, I'm going to do the best I can to serve my clients. And 
you know, if, if, if there comes a time when I'm overloaded, well, all I can do is the best I can do, and I have to embrace that. And Connie Nichols, who is the head of DocuSource Legal Litigation Support Solutions, she's facing a situation where she lost 20 staff members and is still desperately trying to hire five. So she's limited in what she's able to do. She doesn't have the staff to be able to provide the same level of service right now that she, she and her partner um, with their services. And she's just telling her clients, you know, I'm here for you. I'm going to do the very best I can with the resources, and we're rebuilding. What, what was the impression that you came away with? What did, what did you see and hear and, and learn from your trip there? Well, Bob, I've always been very, very drawn to New Orleans. I've I, I found it such a compelling city. It, it embraces every component of the human spirit from the dark to the most vibrant. And it's a difficult city, and I'm a white suburban-bred girl, and I wouldn't ex- even dream of understanding all the, sort, all the, the issues that New Orleans faces. But the one thing that is just so compelling is the incredible vibrancy of the people. And there's almost this sense of cognitive dissonance because the storm wiped out some neighborhoods, and yet the French Quarter, you wouldn't even know that there'd been a a hurricane there. And it was very interesting to be there at Mardi Gras because I think one of the things that is so exciting is the just plain out exuberance of the people and humor is such a big deal. Um, I saw wonderful irreverent t-shirts. One of my favorites was Sheetrock Happens. Um, and I think this this is just as trite as it may sound, a real testimony to the spirit of this city that they are just not going to let Mother Nature take them down. And there will be challenges. It's not going to be perfect. It's going to be a long road. There's desperate circumstances. I mean, you, you can't even fathom what the Ninth Ward is like unless you're standing there. I mean, it just it's just mind-boggling to try to figure out how they're going to get over this. And it's not going to be the same city, but I am convinced it will survive. Monica, I'm sorry we have only a, a few minutes to talk today, and uh, that about does it. I wonder if you could quickly tell us about the special issue of Law Technology News that has just come out. Sure. I'm, I'm very grateful that, Bob, you are one of the contributors to it. We did our first ever single issue, um, single theme issue. All the articles in the issue, including your WebWatch column, are about the experience in New Orleans. I wrote the anchor story. Russ Curtis did the photographs. And then we have many other contributors um, to the issue. And the website is www.lawtechnologynews.com. And I really thank you for the opportunity to be on your show. And Monica Bay, you write the, uh, can be found at the blog, The Common Scold, which is www.thecommonscold.com. Thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us today, Monica. Thank you so much for having me, Bob. That was a great interview, Bob. Let's now welcome attorney Ernie Svensson. Ernie appeared on Coast to Coast back in September right after Katrina Katrina hit. He is also known for his blog, Ernie the Attorney. He continues to practice law with his solo practice. Ernie and his family evacuated to Houston after Katrina struck, but he's back in New Orleans now. Welcome to the show, Ernie. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Our next guest today is Tom O'Connell. Tom is the president of XOSoft, 
a data backup and restoration company. ExoSoft helped firms get back in business after Katrina, uh, including the firm Chafee McCall, the oldest law firm in Louisiana, as I understand it. Welcome to the show, Tom. Hi, glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. And also with us today is Tim Duty. Tim is the firm administrator for the law firm of Chafe McCall, LLP, whose headquarters is located in New Orleans. Chafe McCall has 65 attorneys and offices in both Louisiana and Texas. Tim is also the president of the New Orleans Chapter Association of Legal Administrators. Welcome, Tim. Uh, thanks a lot for the introduction. Thanks for having me on the show. Ernie, uh, have you seen any progress in New Orleans? How many law firms have gone out of business there? Uh, well, I guess one could say law firms going out of business is progress, but uh, I haven't seen too much. Yeah, there's been a lot of change. I mean, you know, there's a, in every community, every law community, at the end of the year, there's always the usual split off of firms and and change. The thing with um, with Katrina is it, it is such a monumental change, and it's so ongoing. I mean, you know, just because the city's back up and running and a lot of people are back, doesn't mean that a lot of those people aren't moving away and thinking about moving. And so the change process is going to continue for months, years, you know, it's going to continue for a long time. So, yeah, there's been a lot of change. And I guess, you know, me going out on my own is one example. But And I'm sure there are a lot of examples of that, and there will continue to be those examples. Tim Duty, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about what the what happened with Chafee McCall uh, during Katrina and in the wake of Katrina. Well, um, what we had to deal with first off was just communications between uh, the staff and all of it, you know, the office itself, and that was the most difficult part of the whole thing. You know, as everyone knows, the entire city was evacuated. Getting in touch with our people was the most difficult part of the process, and after we were able to get in touch with most of the people, then we began the process of putting the office back together, which was no easy task. How many lawyers do you have there? 65? Yeah, we have 65 here. We had a small office in Baton Rouge, which which served as our new headquarters post-Katrina. No one ever planned for us to be out of town. You know, the most uh, extensive business interruption plan you could ever develop didn't anticipate this. And did you have a plan in place? We certainly did, and I, it was sitting on my desk as I left. <laughs> Doing you no good, then. Well, it didn't do me much good, but we were able to quickly get back our document management software, and I was able to to pull it down in Baton Rouge, so that was the good news. But uh, it's now going in a hot box to go along with me next time we have to evacuate. Well, what uh, what do you think can be done if a, for to help a law firm rebound after their offices and all their records have been destroyed? Well, we've been meeting to discuss precisely that. Um, as I said, we had a pretty extensive business uh, disaster recovery plan, um, but we never anticipated being gone this long. And one of the things that we did do was we had all of our backup tapes. We arrived at Baton Rouge with the backup tapes but had no tape drives to restore all of the information because, once again, we didn't anticipate that. But we're also developing uh, you know, backups to the backups to the backup plans. Cell phones are one issue. We're trying to get cell phones with out-of-state uh, area code numbers, because that was the most difficult thing to overcome originally. We've also uh, installed the Exosoft software so that we have backup running constantly between here and Baton Rouge, and we're considering adding adding a third site. But, you know, those are just some of the things that we're doing. You know, the, the list is very extensive. 
Well, Tom, your company is in the business of data backup. Were you prepared for Katrina, or did you learn, learn any lessons from it? Well, actually, uh, we, we were quite surprised by the number of calls we got after Katrina and, and the fact that many, many companies in, in that area did not have disaster recovery plans in place. Um, it's good news for Exosoft, the company, but it's unfor- very unfortunate for many of the companies in the, in the Gulf area. Uh, but, but what we do is we basically provide software solutions to really assist those companies and firms to move the emission-critical data outside or beyond that, that risk zone. So when they can come back and physically recover the, the offices, their data has been protected, and they can move the data back to where it's needed. Do you also provide the the, uh, the servers or the physical locations for moving that data and storing that data? No, we don't. Uh, many of the firms we deal with uh, will have a co-location facility. It'll be a third-party facility, again, outside of that, that risk zone, into a safe zone that they can actually uh, work with to, to replicate that data to a, a safe location in the, the event of a disaster. What my company does, Exosoft, is we provide that the real-time replication piece of that software for disaster recovery and continuous application availability. So, so did you learn anything from Katrina? Is there, have there been any changes that you've made in the way you handle data or in your software uh, based on the lessons you learned from, from that episode? Uh, you know, essentially what we've learned is that we need to be more proactive working with many of the companies down in, uh, in New Orleans and Florida and the entire Gulf Coast. We're, we're, uh, we've focused on that area as, um, as a prime location for uh, customers that could use our technology. There's a huge need for, for technology like ours in that area, and what we're doing right now is focused on, on that area to help them, uh, companies develop disaster recovery and application availability plans. Bernie, you're there on a day-to-day basis, and you're pretty much in close touch with what's going on. What do you think overall? Is, is Do you see this as changing the business of law and the manner in which the technological aspects of it are handled? Um, yeah, I think that that is something that can happen um, in at least an incremental way. Um, you know, in, in New Orleans, you know, as we look around, or at least as I look around and observe what's changed, um, you know, what's normal here is not what's normal anywhere else. And what's normal here was not, you know, no, it's, it's just really, it's a, it's a weird kind of normal. I mean, for us, you know, to, to use a non-law example, you know, big day for me is driving down the street and seeing the, one of the stoplights at, at an intersection that didn't used to work is suddenly working. So, you know, the, the kind of change that I look at and I see, maybe it's overly magnified, but one thing that I see that I think is, is um, an example of how firms are starting to, uh, adopt technology uh, more is the use of PDF files. Um, you know, we haven't talked about the mail system being down, but, uh, you know, it's just, I think, yesterday that the Postal Processing Center, the main one, came back. Before that, to if you sent a letter from one side of New Orleans to the other, it was processed in Houston, so I had to make like a 700-mile round-trip visit. Well, that sort of issue... Um, for law firms, which are used to dealing with paper, of course, and have been re- reluctant for the most part to move towards using PDF files, has sort of jump-started that process. And I, th- I find now that it's much more routine when I deal with firms uh, for, for me to say, well, can you send me a PDF of that file? And they say yes, or else they just send it to you that way as a matter of course, and maybe they put it in the mail or maybe they don't even bother because these days email 
and PDF attachments is really pretty much at least the way I've been practicing law and the way I've seen other lawyers practicing law. Ernie, you've gone from a medium size, uh, pretty good size firm to solo practice. What have you done? What's, what, what steps have you taken to protect your practice from something like this happening again? Well, you know, it's kind of ironic. Um, in the midst of the whole Katrina thing, I guess I'd always thought about wanting to be a solo and even before Katrina. And then, you know, using technology, uh, for me, it was always easier to try to figure out how it might work if I played with it by myself. So that sort of oriented me as sort of a solo practitioner to begin with. And then after Katrina hit and we were, you know, we were all doing the same thing, you know, the firm I worked at, Gordon Rada, which is a great firm like Shaft McCall is, you know, we were trying to get our servers and do all that stuff. But what was funny and ironic to me was that my stuff, my personal stuff that I had maintained on my laptop and the things that I did in the process of thinking like a solo and playing with technology, all that stuff worked. I mean, my weblog was fine. My cell phone had problems, but I figured out how to use text messaging and you know, I had a computer that had Wi-Fi built into it, a laptop, and I had scanned many of my files, and I had those stored on my laptop. And so when I came back and thought about going out on my own and did that, I mean, I realized it's actually in some ways a lot easier. Not some ways. In most ways, it's easier if you're solo to have a backup and disaster recovery plan. You have to be very rigorous about it, but it's easier to implement. Once you decide to do it and you take the steps, there's not as much uh, convolution, and there's no there's less. I mean, you know, Tom or, or or Tim can tell you. I mean, they deal with this all the time. It, in a large firm atmosphere, it's just a lot harder. There are a lot more things to connect. Things have to work in a certain way. It's it's harder. It's, it's actually easier for me as a solo. I have an external hard drive. I pop it in. I do my backups every night, and I'm good to go. Right. Tim, I, I take it from what Ernie just said that I've been mispronouncing the name of your firm, and I apologize for that. That's all right. Uh, what, are, what are you doing uh, differently now in the, in the wake of Katrina at your firm? Uh, differently is, uh, I guess, what we're doing is just preparing ourselves for the disaster that we never anticipated. Um, some of the things that we're doing specifically are, just like Ernie said, um, he had wireless broadband. We're you know we're getting that here so that we can have a certain number of chips as a, as a big backup um one of the other things that we're doing is we're eliminating a local loop between our two offices because everything went out over the internet uh through the New Orleans office so each of the offices that we have will now have their own internet connectivity that was a challenge for us at the very beginning um in addition to that you know just Communications is the biggest issue that we're trying to address, making sure that that uh, lack of communication doesn't prevent us in the future from having uh, all of our employees aware of what's going on. Uh, we're adding a, uh, a dummy website, I guess, to disseminate emergency information should the same type of situation occur. Um, you know, just things like that, just preparing for this. Well, with our... Uh show right now. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back in just one minute, our guests will tell us what law firms have to do with protecting themselves and their clients from disaster. We invite you to visit Law.com for timely legal news and in-depth resources. From daily headlines to practice-specific updates, Law.com provides up-to-date information to those working in the legal profession. 
As part of its coverage, Law.com is proud that J. Craig Williams' blog, May It Please the Court, and Robert Ambrogi's blog, Law Sites, are part of its blog network. Don't wait any longer. Visit Law.com today and get free subscriptions of our Newswire newsletter with the top legal stories of the day. Or sign up for a free trial subscription to one of our practice center sections. Coast to Coast is produced by the Legal Talk Network and a staff of broadcast professionals. If you have an idea for a topic or a show, we want to hear from you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and send us an email. If you found us in the podcast library of iTunes, thanks for listening. Check out some of our other shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com and become a member. It's free. A video settlement documentary can be the most powerful and persuasive way to bring about a speedy settlement in your client's case. The Boston Media Group has a staff of television professionals with 20 years' experience writing and producing compelling stories just like the ones you've seen on 60 Minutes or Dateline. We put a human face on the lawsuit with compelling interviews, dramatizations, and visual presentations of the fact. Think of it as a video opening argument that will compel the attorneys on the other side to settle. Call us for a consult at 800-317-5221. That's 800-317-5221. Or check out our website at bostonmediagroup.com. Welcome back to Coast to Coast. This is Bob Ambrogi. And I'm Craig Williams. Please welcome back attorney Ernie Svensson, ExoSoft President Tom O'Connell, and Tim Duty. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to ask, and this is an open question to the three of you, we didn't get the chance to talk before the break about what's going on with the court system and how the technological aspect of data and, and electronic filing and the like has affected the court system. Do any of you three have a thought about that? Um, well, I know that the... Um Eastern District of Louisiana, which is one of the three federal courts in Louisiana, and the last one to start to um, to implement e-filing, was actually um, delayed in its implementation of that program. So that's a negative effect that it's had on um, technology in the courts. Um, the courts have had a lot of, uh, I mean, a struggle, like everybody has. They had to relocate to new places. They had to um, find new ways to accept filing. Some of the courts temporarily were accepting fax filing. Uh, but e-filing would be a great thing if all of the courts had it. Tom, let me ask you, what uh, what should law firms be doing uh, that they're not commonly doing to protect their data? And I, and I know your answer will be run out and buy Exosoft, but beyond <laughs> that, I mean, what, what, are, what are you seeing, what mistakes are law firms making in, in the way or the ways they're not protecting their data? No, I mean there are there are two real critical applications to any law firm. The, the first is is communications, internal communications between the attorneys, and external communication between the attorneys and their clients. The second critical application is document management. Uh, you know, making sure that you you're working on the the right version of a document and you've protected that document in the event that that the the server that you're working on has some level of of failure. The only way you can really do that is is really to take all of that information and take a, take those applications and make them available outside what I call the the risk zone. And the risk zone is and it is any area in which 
may be prone to any kind of, of disaster like Katrina. So it's a situation where you do need to implement the right technology to take all of that data that resides on your production servers at, at a corporate data center and move that a few hundred miles inland. And because of our technology, there are really no geographic limitations to, to the movement of that data. But that really is the first critical piece that, uh, that most law firms need to do, protect that data and move it outside the risk zone. And not just protect the data, but make sure that they're working with the most current and up-to-date version of the data. Correct, exactly. And the only way we you, you can actually protect that data and use the most current version is through what we call real-time replication. So as you make a change to a document on your production server, that change is reflected somewhere else outside that risk zone in a remote location. And Tim, what are you doing? Well, we, like I said, we've just uh, added the Exosoft software as part of our um, disaster recovery plans. Um, we're just adding all kinds of fail-safe measures. As with any kind of business decision, you have a, a cost analysis, uh, cost-benefit analysis to do, and uh, we're just hoping that the law of probability is on our side when, when we're doing the, all of our disaster planning. Right now, part of our backup plan includes New Orleans, I mean Baton Rouge, which is only 80 miles away, and we have now a small office that we've opened in Houston in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, and we're uh, probably going to add them as a third site as backup. All of those, though, are located relatively co close to the coast and would have been affected by Hurricane Rita uh, as the second hurricane that followed Katrina and affected that area. So we're just hoping that the law of probability doesn't catch up with us. <laughs> Bernie, you wanted a, one of uh, something that's kept a lot of people, I think, uh, interested in, in, in your blog over the past few months has, has been your stories about uh, uh, your own experiences and the experiences of your, your friends and, and others in New Orleans. What's, how would you characterize the mood among the legal community in, in New Orleans these days? How, how has the storm uh, affected people, and how are they feeling about it right now? Well, I don't. Th I think it would be difficult uh, to characterize the mood of New Orleans as a global thing. I mean, uh, much like you know, places that have microclimates, New Orleans has micro moods. Um, I well, think in the legal community, though. Well, you know, the, I think for plaintiff attorneys who um, who depended on clients who they didn't communicate with by email, and those were people who had personal injury lawsuits and who were displaced. That's a you know the real fear. There's a real dire mood um, among the, that group, and then within the you know it just depends on what your practice is. Right. The criminal practice was was hard hit. Criminal defense attorneys had nothing to do for a while. The um, indigent defenders program, which employed 32 lawyers, had to let them go, but with the help of the Louisiana State Bar Association, was able to to hire back two of those people. So it, it it's it's just um, it's kind of it's kind of hard to make sweeping generalizations. I mean, the flood was sweeping, and it covered 80% of the city at one time, but the effects of those floods are very individual. Is there a sense of, of, sort of creeping back towards normalcy, or, or is, it a, is it a sense that that's still a long ways off? I think here, we feel, a lot of times we feel like things are normal, and this goes back to what I was saying earlier about the traffic lights. I mean, you, the human brain normalizes things. So as you walk around... After a while, anything can seem normal. I mean, and, you know, there's many examples of that. 
But in New Orleans, what's bizarre about it is it's not like, you know, one or two people had, had this radical shift in their life. It's the whole community has had a radical shift. Now, if you go to parts of the city, as Monica Bay said earlier in her interview, if you go to the French Quarter, it looks normal. But then people who live there, maybe their life isn't so normal. If you move away from the normal areas, it becomes unnormal. But it's unnormal to people who don't live here. You know, once you, if you live here every day, your mind starts to look at these things and just, you know, it filters out what, um, what, what seems strange. And so you start to take certain things for granted. I mean, uh, for a while there, I was thinking about this the other day, the, the, you know, I didn't used to get mail. Now the mail actually comes every day, you know, at a regular time. That's an amazing thing. Um, you know, the phone books haven't come, but I'm sure, you know, you can, the phones work now. I mean, it, so it's, it's you, you trick yourself into thinking that things are back to normal. And they kind of are, but then, you know, they're not completely because um, a lot of lawyers and a lot of law firms will have difficulty and the community as a whole is, is struggling with, with, the, with the elections, or the, you know, will those elections be deemed valid? I mean, just everything that's fundamental, you know. Communities, I said to somebody one time, are a, sh- a set of shared expectations. And I didn't realize that until, you know, my shared expectations were no longer shared. But that's really what's going on in New Orleans is we're trying to come back to a, to a set of expectations that are reliable. And when a whole community that doesn't have a persistent um, set of reliable expectations, it just it's weird. So, you know, that's what people who come here from elsewhere see. That's why when they come here, they go, oh, my God, this is so terrible. I could never have imagined this. And even though I read your blog and even though I read all this stuff, I still didn't get it. Yeah, it's a very difficult thing to get. Well, Tim and Tom, this is the section of our program now where we wrap up and uh, ask you your final thoughts on the conversation that we've been having so far. And one of the things that I wanted to see if I could prompt you with is that we've been having some discussions, I guess, on our first show with Ernie about how others from outside the community can help. And have you seen that kind of help? And if not, uh, what more can we do to help out? Well, I've seen a lot of help after the hurricane. Uh, Our clients were quick to call in uh, with support and you know, to lend their support and also to ask us where to redirect our mail so that we can make sure that we could remain in business. Um, we've also received help from a company called Message One that shortly after the hurricane, and I'm talking a day or two, was able to pick up our email and we had email access almost immediately after the hurricane. Uh, we've had help from various um, technology groups that offered uh, software, hardware, which we took advantage of as well. Um, so there's, there's been a lot of help from outside of the community. As far as preparing ourselves, I guess, for the future, I think that everybody, uh, if, if they haven't begun their uh, preparations for this upcoming hurricane season, which is, starts within less than two months, shame on them, but I don't believe that's happening. I think that everybody here is well aware of the upcoming hurricane season and has taken advantage of this time to prepare themselves. Yeah, I mean, I, I can just echo that. And basically, you know, you know, my advice would be just to, to seriously prepare for the worst. Not not that I'm, I'm a preacher of gloom and doom, but we never could realize the, the destruction that Katrina had in that whole region. And with uh, the hurricane se- uh, season looming upon us, people really should begin if they haven't already, begin to put in some disaster recovery plans in place because 
predictions for the upcoming season is that they, you know, there are going to be more frequent hurricanes than last year. And if that, in fact, is the case, I mean, there's got to be DR plans in place now. Chris, the unfortunate thing is uh, we never quite know what the worst is going to bring. Uh, right. And, uh, you know, we, we learn a lot from instances such as this. Well, hindsight is twenty twenty. Well, thank you very much to uh, our guests for participating today. Uh, Ernie Svensson, uh, solo attorney in New Orleans and uh, blogger on Ernie the Attorney. Tom O'Connell, president of ExoSoft, which is at, if I understood you, exosoft.com. Is that right? Correct. That's it. And Tim Duty of Shaft McCall in New Orleans. Uh, Tim, what's, do you have a website uh, www.chaff.com C-H-A-F-F-E Okay Well, thank you very much Thank you all Thank you And Craig, enjoy the rest of your time in Scotland I'll do that, Bob I'll host one for you Thanks for listening to Coast to Coast with Robert Ambrogi and J. Craig Williams Coast to Coast has been sponsored by Law.com We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Som. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.